Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Place of Peace podcast. Today's special guest is Yehuda Seychelles. Uh, Yehuda is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner. He also is one of the top chefs in the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area. We had a good time just talking about uh, Jiu-Jitsu, running a business, and a lot more. So without further ado, let's bring on the podcast. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. Um, I appreciate that, man. Yours too, man. We see the pictures on Instagram. Yeah, she's very cute. Uh, so let's, uh, you want to get started or you good? Yeah, we get started. Awesome. Awesome. So for my first question, um, for the listeners who don't know, uh, who Yehuda is, um, can you give like a, a quick background of who you are, where you were born and how you were raised? Sure. Um, so my name is Yehuda Seychelle. I am 34 years old. I live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I was born in... I was born in Elkins Park, and then when I was about five years old, we moved to Baltimore. Um, I actually grew up in a very strict Orthodox Jewish community, um, which I then left at about 18, Um, moved to, went to Israel for a year, and then I moved to Philly, um, and I started working in kitchens over here, and started, um, you know, I was already cooking in Baltimore a little bit, and I wanted to be a chef. So moved to Philly for that reason, started working um, towards my goals, got fired from a bunch of places because uh, I couldn't keep up. It was a, it was a different world out here, um, but kept, kept, kept showing up. You know, they could never stop me from showing up. Uh, and then I, uh, I guess 10, I guess when I was like, I moved to L.A., um, moved to L.A. for a year when I was 24, uh, came back kind of like ready to ready to do it you know like mm-hmm. ready to really get it so I, I got a job over at Sahav um and that kind of changed my career because I I really um you know I, I really took like a mentorship from Mike our uh, <laughs> the chef there mm-hmm. we became really good friends and he became my mentor and Zahav sort of blew up um, and I was just, you know, again, just showing up every day. That's all you got to do. That's it. Um, just to you know, show up on time, do the work, don't, don't mess around. And, you know, years later, they ended up opening a restaurant with me called the Adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, around that time is also when I discovered Balance Studios, uh, which also became a very big part of my life, mm-hmm. where I met you guys. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But just a, tons of amazing people that I miss tremendously. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started doing jujitsu, started working at a Fisher, a chef, uh, sort of side by side, trying to, trying to balance, you know, the career life and jujitsu, which is always tricky. Um, and actually, interestingly enough, um, I, I was supposed to leave Abe Fisher at the end of the month. Um, cause I, I'm opening my own restaurant. Oh, nice. Um, nice. I signed, yeah, so I've been keeping that. I haven't really publicized that much, yeah, but, yeah. but I've been working on it. Nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's ready. Awesome. You know, I'm ready to start talking about it. But, you know, we're looking at like August probably. Um, mm-hmm. It's on 18th and Chestnut, and it's going to be my restaurant. It's going to be a casual uh, kind of like sandwich place where we bake our own bread and we make sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. Awesome. Um, 
So that is definitely something that's been exciting that I've been able to work on during the quarantine, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I had, um, I got ma- oh, oh, personal life. I got married, uh, four years ago. Actually we had our anniversary on Tuesday, May 26th. So we just had our anniversary. Thank you. Um, and you know, we had Liliana, um, about 18 months ago and, um, we actually have another one on the way. Oh, congratulations, <laughs> which, which we kind of just, wanna, yeah, thank you. We, uh, so she's 14 weeks pregnant. Awesome. Congrats. Yeah. Awesome. With a boy. So ready. So yeah, so big things are happening. Um, that's about, that about sums up the last 34 years of my life. So it's good yeah. stuff, man. So what you, what got you started into uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? So, you know, mentioned when I was like 25, I moved back to Philly um, from LA and I was like, I was overweight. I was like, I was rocking like 210, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm getting back up there, but I'd like to think that's not uh, it's it's a different 210. Yeah, yeah, uh, but uh, I was like 210, you know, and I was, I could have, you know, I was smoking cigarettes and I was not eating healthy and I was like, I just didn't feel great and I wanted to like get, get, you know, get up and running and like really, I was looking at my other friends who were like, you know, dressing nice and like looking good and I was like, mm-hmm. I got to get myself together. So um, I started exercising and eating a little healthier and it became a way of life, but I never really, you know, I liked weightlifting. I liked, I then got into running, um, liked running, but I kept getting injured. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, uh, and once I got, so I, oh yeah, so I started running and I kept getting injured. And then I ran the Philadelphia Marathon in 2014. It was a goal to run a marathon. And I I got like a stress fracture in my knee from it. So mm. I, I really had to stop like long distance running. And I, I didn't really like short distances. I just loved like hitting like 10, 12 miles. It was just such a cool thing to do. Mm. Um, and I couldn't really do that anymore. So I had to find like a new way of exercising and I, I thought um, self-defense would be cool because I never really fought growing up and I just felt like living in the city, you know, eventually I don't want to have a family. I should, I should know how to defend myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I looked into like Krav Maga, Kung Fu, all the cool things, um, <laughs> but there wasn't really <laughs> anything around. And then I saw like MMA and I was like, all right, like those MMA guys, like they're in incredible shape. Mm-hmm. They obviously know how to whoop some butt, you know, mm-hmm. so I'll check this place out. Um, and I rolled into, I actually went to Mac, Max Exercise, yeah, took yeah. a free class there. But like when I walked in, I was like, wait, this isn't MMA. Mm-hmm. Like we're wearing these weird robes and you're like mounting me and like fake choking me. Like what's happening? Like yeah, this yeah. is not, no, where's the punching? Where's the kicking? <laughs> and they're like, no, this is jujitsu. It's grappling. And I was like, I was so lost. Um, I love Max Exercise and, and um, I found out about balance, and I kind of just walked in there. Um, I think I met um, Joe, his last name, Brown Belt Joe, mm-hmm. teaching like a daytime class. Um, and then eventually, I eventually I met um, I met Drew mm-hmm. and um, Chrissy, and I just started taking classes there, and, and you know, and then I met Rick and. 
And I would actually take classes during the day and I started to kind of like it, but not really. Mm-hmm. But during the day I got to, like meet a lot of the fight, you know, I met like Basil and he was training during the day a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I met those guys and, and then like, I don't know, after like six months, I started rolling maybe. Mm-hmm. And then I started to like it. Nice, nice. Uh, and then it obviously just becomes like a way of your life and mm-hmm. start competing and, it all just gets like real, you know. One hundred percent. Way beyond self defense, I think. At Absolutely, this point. it's a it's a mental thing. It's a jujitsu is yeah. a mental mental sport. So I love it. My other question, since you mentioned uh, competition, how important do you think competition is to uh, your growth as an individual in jujitsu or your growth in general as a human being? So you know, competition again. Like I didn't grow up really playing sports or any of that stuff that like really involved much competition. Um, so it's something I kind of took on later in life. And it's always been, it was like, I kind of like for running, I'd always sign up for races mm-hmm. and that would make me, I would need a plan. I would need a running plan. I would need to hit certain miles. I would need to get in shape for it. And it's the same thing with, um, with competition. Mm-hmm. I try to sign up, you know, every few months. So I know I, I always got one coming up. I know I got to make weight. Yeah, yeah. I know I got, um, so that's a big thing. I always like sign up a little under my weight. So I got to watch what I'm doing. I got to train harder. I can't, you know, I got to show up as much as I can. Um, so it definitely helps me grow as, you know, a practitioner because like, you know, again, like I didn't, I wasn't, at, I wasn't athletic growing up. Um, I started, you know, when I was 30. Um, so I need that extra edge because I'm rolling with like, you know, 20 year old purple belts and they're yeah. like, running circles around me so me too. i gotta be ready for that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah right and then as far as um competition in regular life you know, it, it definitely helps me you know it's it's like the hardest thing to it's one of the hardest things to show up mm-hmm. and you don't know you know the guy in front of you has been training just as hard as you mm-hmm. you know he wants to do nothing but like try to break your arm yeah, yeah. or uh or choke okay. you. Um, or or so, your leg, like you like to do. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like you like to oh let go of my legs right now. Yeah, yeah I know, I know. Try, to, try not to think about that. But um, yeah, rip some, uh, or something like that. So, it, you know, you got to, um, it's it's like a mental thing. And it it gets a little easier, you know. You don't get that, that anxiety that like totally makes you lose your breath. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just... You know, I'm always looking around the gym, seeing who's going to be. You think this guy's in my uh, in my bracket? This yeah, guy, you know, yeah. trying to size people up, and <laughs> it's it really gets you ready for like anything. Like you know, really, you could tap anything. You could show up to a jujitsu competition, and win yeah. or lose doesn't matter. You show up, you spend five minutes, exactly. you know, competing on someone or twenty seconds doesn't matter. It feels like a lifetime. You know? So, it's a good mindset. Yeah. It, yeah. It, no, I know that he. Uh, I was just telling Des that I remember. One time we were rolling on a Tuesday, you came to class right before you had to go to work. And I think you were going extra hard and I was like, you could have don't kill me. He was like, don't worry, I won't kill you because I won't have anybody to roll with <laughs> on Tuesdays. And I said, well, what about all the other guys? And you were like, yeah, but you're tougher. And that's when I started respecting you even more because you go really hard and you can tell that you have like a go in mind. Um, and I was even amazed at how much you were competing at some point. I remember when the baby was born, you said you want her to be a little bit older before you go back to competition last year. Uh, but uh, 
other than that, like I was just amazed that you, because it's, it's, it's a lot of nerves. I only competed once and the competition itself was fine, but the week leading to, to the competition just like wore me out because I, all the nerves that I had in me and the, the night before it was crazy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how you did it on a regular basis. <laughs> I mean, again, well, th- thank you. I mean, I do, I do try to not go, go easy on anybody. Not that I'm going hard on people, but like, I think I'm doing a disservice to people that show up and, you know, they only have a few rounds. So, yeah. you know, listen, I, I, I get social cues if, if, you know, if I'm feeling someone just wants to slow roll, fine. But like, if, if I know someone's getting ready or, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. Mm-hmm. I think, I think in the, in the long run, it's the best thing, you know, as long as no one's hurting each other, you know, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. That's definitely I have a, I had a question about, um, so you mentioned that you started working as a half, you became like a mentee of Mike Solomonov, and then you opened Abbe Fisher. So how did you, um, how did you come up with a menu? Because I remember uh, one of my jiu-jitsu friends, or our jiu-jitsu friends, Yana and I came to visit right before she left uh, the States to uh, go to Switzerland, and um, I was like, I don't know. I was looking at the menu and I asked you, did you come up with the menu? And you said, yes, I did. And I just don't know what goes into that to me because that's something so foreign to me, this industry in general. I don't, can you tell us how you, as a chef, how do you come up with the menu for a restaurant? Totally. Um, that's a good question. Well, so when you see the menu, it's, it's like years and years and years of layering, I would call it, you know, mm-hmm. to come up with the original, the initial menu is probably the hardest. Um, but I, I think I really thrive in menu development when I'm building off things, you know, when I say, Oh, this ingredient doesn't work or we we're getting, you know, asparagus in locally instead of green beans, let's use that. You know, there's a lot of interchangeable ingredients. Um, so I usually swap out seasonal ingredients and then you see what works and what doesn't work. Um, you know, there's a, there's like techniques, um, which I think like, if I know a, a certain technique works really well with like a type of fish then I'll like try to pick a certain type of fish that's like in season or whatever. Um, you know, and then the idea behind the menu is like, I, I always like Abe Fisher represented something. Abe Fisher to me represented like my whole upbringing, my whole, my grandfather, my, my whole, you know, everything, my my grandparents coming over from Europe and, and what they went through and my parents and, and my, you know, my community and, and Jewish people as a whole and, and anyone who's really gone through adversity um, and picked up different, different cooking from, you know, different areas they lived in. So it was, it was the cuisine of like the Jewish diaspora and, you know, the Jews have traveled many, many places over the years. So, and I felt like I was sort of a microcosm of that, you know, traveling. Yeah. Israel, uh, Philly. Um, so it all sort of tried to encompass that, and everything had to sort of trigger that trigger that mindset a little bit. You know, everything had to be a little different, but also be very familiar to me. And I think through that, I was able to communicate that to people. Yeah, it's, um, the food is amazing. We have been talking about coming once the baby was old enough, and now everything shut down, so yeah, you can't go anywhere. <laughs> Off of that, you guys um, will be out. what'd you say? You guys will be out soon enough. You know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. Um, so off of that, um, has the quarantine affected, like, the restaurant business? Um, 
in general? Uh, yeah, I mean, the quarantine has really hit the restaurant industry really, really hard. Mm -hmm. I think somewhere, I think in Philadelphia, 25% of the unemployment is restaurant mm -hmm. um, or restaurant hotel probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we make a huge, huge part. I mean, the restaurant industry in the U.S. Um, employs like 13 million people. Mm. Um, I think 75% or 80%, maybe as of a, month, a few weeks ago, were unemployed. Um, so really crushed it um, really, really badly. But I think, you know, they're, they're like PP, PPP and, um, you know, other other assistance that the government is working on mm. um, and, and through, you know, smart ways of trying to, you know, do takeout and yeah. some restaurants turning their places into little markets um, and, you know, just smart about like trying to get by, you know, luckily things are opening up now, but there's going to be a lot of restaurants, more restaurants that shouldn't that are going to close. Um, yeah. Some places didn't have like forgivable landlords, which I get on their end, but, and that's, that's hurting. But I, I know that like the bigger places probably have, you know, bigger property management that like is like whatever, you know, mm -hmm. If they have like a Steven star or someone really big, yeah, yeah. they might just, you know, wave it for a few months and, or whatever they do just to keep them alive. Cause they don't want to lose these huge accounts. Mm -hmm. um, but the smaller guys are having issues. Definitely the independent restaurants, definitely the immigrant community um, that couldn't get as much government assistance are getting hit pretty hard. Mm. Uh, so different, different parts of it, but overall, yeah, the restaurant industry has been hit very hard. And, um, it's been uh been tough to watch but like i think things are getting better you know i was uh um i just saw on uh, on instagram today that la colombe on rittenhouse square they're doing it's almost like a walk through cafe everything they have glass up uh, like where the cashiers are and uh you kind of wait in line pick up your coffee and walk outside and i from what i heard they also have a greeter at the door so I was telling Des that's like instead of a drive-through now it's a walk-through in the city. So how and I think that might work um, even in the long term. Uh, in marketing, we always talk about how things are gonna change once this is over. For example, a lot of companies are realizing that uh, you can work from home and you can be just as productive. So they're thinking about getting rid of their office space or a part of their office space. So how do you think the restaurant industry would change after this, if at all? Um, so yeah, like you said, a lot of restaurants are really adapting um, to this. I walked down, like, I was on 18th Street yesterday, like uh, on Rittenhouse, and mm -hmm. all those restaurants were set up for, like, pickup. So, like, they had cocktails they were making, they had music blasting, mm -hmm. they had... Uh, table set up you couldn't enter but like they had the whole menu and you know i know park had like a dj over the weekend like people are really getting creative so i i hope that's just a temporary thing because i don't have the means for that in my new spot <laughs> i don't got i don't have a window or anything um but also i hope people could really start going into restaurants you know even if it's a few at a time but mm -hmm. there's just something really special about sitting around a table you know exactly. With different people that you haven't been for the last two and a half months um there's something really nice about that and we're missing that and you know in times of um times of despair like 
you need that 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 social you need to socialize and like we're missing that that mm-hmm. restaurant aspect that going out whole thing and and gyms and like everything so mm-hmm. you know, it's it's tough that's for sure yeah absolutely uh, what what are some of the most challenging things uh, about being a chef and uh, what's your favorite part about being a chef um, you know I'd say the most challenging thing that I see across the board is like trying to balance a personal life and work life because you could get very easily sucked into working you know 60 80 hour weeks forever um, so you know I think it's like for some people they could do it their whole lives most people burn out after doing that for too long because they you know they don't they're unhealthy and they don't have a fan. They're unhealthy physically and mentally just because they're working all the time and it's mm-hmm. very stressful, obviously. Um, but you need you need to have a goal, you know. I always had a goal. It didn't it didn't pan out as quickly as I wanted it to, but I was mm-hmm. like, I always wanted to like be my own chef or, or be the chef of my own restaurant. Mm-hmm. So I made my own schedule, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually open a restaurant. So, you know, it's important to have goals. Um, otherwise you're just going through if you just go through the day, you're gonna last a year or two, you know. But if yeah. you keep moving forward i think um you can get through that i would say the best part about being a chef well the most obvious part is that i now know how to cook really well uh, mm-hmm. for a lot of people so it's it's definitely a skill that is is worthwhile and you could share that um you know and, and when you're in the restaurant it's really nice seeing people like celebrate um nice things you know especially Abe fisher like it was a nice restaurant so people that were coming in there you know were always celebrating and or just or they just had a bad day and they want to drink or they're just like in the neighborhood. So it's like always nice. It's just always a good vibe. You know, you're surrounded by really good vibes and being a chef, you learn how to work really well under pressure, kind of like jujitsu. They work really well together. Um, you learn how to be a dynamic thinker other over under stressful situations and then how to breathe through it. You know, like if, when I don't breathe, when I'm not breathing through it, that's when I get mad. That's when I, you know, snap or whatever. I don't snap, but like that's when I might say something I don't want to say or, you know, just do something I, I regret. But like when I breathe and I'm like thinking about it, I, I definitely react better. So I try to apply, apply that. Awesome. But you that, learn. You look, you know? Yeah, 100%. Learn. 100%. Um, off of that, you said, um, like, where did you get that? that that drive to continue no matter no matter what was thrown at you like you said you had it before jujitsu so i'm kind of curious uh was it like a family thing or was it inherent inheriting um i mean i think that resiliency definitely you know my grandparents um my mom's parents they they were holocaust survivors you know they literally survived like the most horrible years in Europe as Jewish people mm-hmm. living under the radar. My grandfather, you know, joined the Czechoslovakian army and then he escaped the army. Mm-hmm. My grandmother posed the non-Jew. She had blonde hair and blue eyes. So she was able to get away with that, you know, worked in a factory. So like right there, you know, coming to this country with nothing in their pocket, building, you know, a family. And, you know, that's that I, I always look, I always look towards that. I'm like, I couldn't spend one day in what they did, you know, yeah, like yeah. anything that's thrown at me now, like I could deal with, you know, my mom also, she, she passed away like five years ago and she was sick for uh, a long time, 21 years. She was battling cancer. So yeah. you know, if she could, she was able to 
raise six kids and do what she did, being sick and always smiling, always, you know, taking care of us. I could really deal with anything. So that, that's always pushed me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nothing, nothing, you know, it's like I didn't, school wasn't easy. Um, I didn't fit in with the community. You know, nothing was like, nothing fit properly. Mm-hmm. So I always had to like kind of fit it in, push harder, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting, man. Um, two questions. What's your favorite uh, submission and what's your favorite dish like that you love to cook? <laughs> <laughs> it'll tell you it'll well, tell us a lot about you <laughs> I know uh, yeah, that's really good I think, these, I think these two go hand in hand um I would say my favorite submission um is the Kimura okay. believe it or not not the hip hook um, well they're both similar I feel like they are all yes they are all similar especially these two um I would like to figure out how to connect the two but the Kimura is definitely something that I think is underutilized. Mm-hmm. Um, it's You can hit it from any position. It's always there. You can use it as a sweep. You can use it um, working towards something else. You could use it from a failed arm bar, failed triangle. You could use it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, half guard, bottom, top, yeah. bottom of mount, top, anywhere. So I love that versatility. Um, so I love the Kimura. And obviously is like a Kimura master, so... I pick his brain on it. I, I get a lot out of that. Um, favorite dish? You know, I don't have, like, a specific favorite dish, but I've definitely been liking – I love to, like, cook, like, slow-cooked meals, you know, stews, uh, soups, mm-hmm. bread, things that take a long time but take love mm-hmm. and, you know, paying attention to what you're doing and start from basically nothing, you know. You make bread, you have like flour, salt, and water, pretty much, yeast maybe, or mm-hmm. not. Um, you just mix them together, and it just requires technique. That's all it is, and you get like a beautiful loaf of bread. So like there's something to that. Um, and then a stew, I think, is like the same thing. You get raw meat, raw vegetables. You can't really eat them by themselves. I mean, you kind of can, but you throw them in a pot, and you cook them for four hours. It's like a pretty Tastes magical lot, thing. Absolutely. I like that. So I did find out about you. You you, uh, you said you mentioned the word love. So you're a lover of life. I like that. If I'm saying that right, because that's what I kind of got from that. You're absolutely right. I you know every day is a gift, and you know we gotta we gotta make the best out of every one of our days. You know that's a fact, man. I like that. What do you love most about jujitsu? Jujitsu. I mean, there's a lot of things. I think right now I'm really feeling like it's my only way to do cardio. It's the only thing I like. You know, it's it doesn't feel like you're working out, but you get like just like you ran five miles. So I haven't. I guess I haven't done cardio in ten ten weeks, which is okay. I don't think any of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Unless you run or ride your bike, but I don't do that. Um, but no, I like I like the exercise part of it. Obviously, the community part of it. You know that. I've built such good relationships uh, with people. They're like family, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, every, every Friday or Wednesday when I would show up, it would just, you would just see everyone, see all your friends, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that. I love that, you know, you learn self-defense. Like that's such a huge thing to, to know. I always feel whenever I'm in a group of people, you know, I, I feel like I, I would protect them. You know, mm-hmm. I protect myself. I have to protect my family. I think that's so important. Um, just that that level of confidence, I think, goes a long way, as you guys know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just you just know that, like, 
you know, there's like some weird guy in the corner. Like it just doesn't have that same effect. You know, mm-hmm. obviously you don't want to like get in a fight with a homeless guy, but like you just know that like if, if it came down to it, you, you could hand to hand, you're going to win, yeah, you know, absolutely. 99% of the time. So that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that it just, and then mentally it just, it teaches you, it's like chess, you know, it just teaches you how to strategize again, under pressure, mm-hmm. like, you know, whether I'm in the restaurant or I'm like in traffic, mm-hmm. you know, or like try to strategize my day. It's mm-hmm. like, it's all the same. It's just like, you think about what you're doing for a second and then you just go. Yeah, you know? totally. I love that. And I have a question more related to your work. Uh, actually, two questions. So the first one is, what is it like to work for Mike Solomonov? Uh, Zahav won Best Restaurant a few years in a row, I believe, in the States, right? Yeah, so, well, yeah. Zahav won, last year, they won the James Beard Best Restaurant, which Philly has never won before. Um, It's like a huge, it's a ridiculously huge award. And then he also won Best Chef two years ago, and then he's won countless awards, countless accolades. Um, so that, you know, it's, it's, he's also like one of my really closest friends. Um, you know, he's been there for me, not only as a boss, but as a friend. Um, he, you know, knows that we still talk, you know, I don't work for him anymore. He hits me up, I hit him up. Mm-hmm. So we're definitely cool on that level. Um, we've seen each other go through a lot of stuff. And, you know, that guy, he's a really good guy. He's, you know, he lost his only brother um, at 20. You know, his brother was... 21 years old and he was in the Israeli army and he got sniped. He got shot by sniper on his last day. Oh, the service is brother. And you know, that's what drove him. And now that's why he opened an Israeli restaurant. That's why he started cooking from his roots. And, and instead of, you know, being angry, which I'm sure he is about it, but mm-hmm. instead of going there, you know, he always tells me like when it first happened, he's like, I'm going to go join the army and I'm going to like light some people up, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he got talked down. Um, and, and he decided to use that drive for, you know, to help the community and, and bring people together and, and all these amazing things. So mm. that's really hit hard with me. Um, and, you know, he's definitely, when it comes to cooking, he's, he doesn't mess around, you know, so if something's not right, it's not, it's not right. So he taught me, you know, he taught me that, like, don't settle for anything. You got, you got to be your biggest critic, you know, and, and. And also, like, have everyone taste your food. Like, have the dishwasher taste it. Have the hostess taste it. Have manager. You're not. You may not think they know what they're talking about, but like, the more people that can criticize you, actually, the better. The more feedback, the better. So it's it's humbling. Um, and he's just telling me unbelievable amounts about cooking, about being a chef, about being a business owner, about mm-hmm. being a dad. You know, he has two kids, um, and just dealing with stuff that's thrown at you. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's been it's been amazing, and he's definitely shaped you know helped me shape my life. Um, yeah, so that's, that's what it's like to work for Michael Salmon. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, I actually well, we were in Whole Foods. Maybe I, I think she was only a month old or a month and a half old, and um, he was in front of us on the cashier. And I was, but I, you know, I hate being. I'm not one of those nosy people when you see someone famous and be like oh my god didn't take the picture i just like he was super cool like he was just like a regular person shopping at whole foods 
And I was like, I'm sure he wants to be left alone, so I'm not gonna say anything. Uh, and then I follow him in, on Instagram and I saw he was doing a pita bread with Natalie Portman. And I was like, yeah. he must be a big deal, like, because she's actually one of my favorite actresses, to be honest. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, and obviously what he has done with the, and he has, what, five, six restaurants in Philly right now? So he actually, I mean, if you, like, double street. down on the Federal Donuts, which I think there's eight of them. I think there's 18 right now in total. Oh, my God. Uh, okay. It's pretty wild. Yeah, when I started, they had two restaurants. Um, he had zero, zero awards, and um, he didn't know Natalie Portman. But, <laughs> you know, so, well, the Natalie Portman thing is interesting. So when I first started working there in, like, 2010, we were just, like, her husband – was working on the ballet here. I think he's like a choreographer or something like that. Nice. And she's Israeli, she's half Israeli, and she's like a vegan. And she just rolled up like one day, and we were like, "Holy crap!" Like Natalie Portman's here, and everyone was freaking out. And we cooked for her, and it was awesome. And then like a week later, she showed up again at like five o'clock. No one was in the restaurant right back then. No one was there at five o'clock. She showed up, so she basically had the restaurant to herself. <laughs> and Mike went over there and talked to her, and then they just stayed in touch. Nice. Um, yeah, it's pretty wild. So, um, but you know, working, it, it, there's also like the side of like kind of working in the shadows of someone who's so big, you know, that it's like, you know, there's sometimes you got to think like, am I getting this attention because I'm that good or because I'm secondary to him or because it's it's also he owns it and it's his restaurant. So, you know, you just, so there's that aspect, but you know, he, he's always so generous with like giving, giving other people the spotlight, you know, and it, and it, it's amazing. Like, it's amazing what he's done for my career and stuff like that. But it was also kind of tricky. People would come into Abe Fisher sometimes and be like, Oh, I love this place. I couldn't get a reservation at Zahab. I'm like, dude, why are you telling me this? Like, <laughs> that's great. But like, come on, man, you're at my restaurant. You're eating my food. So, um, there was always that, but I was leaving around 10, which was nice. So I got to like, you know, 
I mean, I'd get home, everyone would be sleeping, but um, <laughs> at least I was I was off on the weekends, so like it was kind of like a compromise. Like, you know, I just had a more structured schedule, and it was kind of made everyone everyone happy. Um, but I do like that, like drawn out, like all over the place day, you know, as opposed to like being somewhere at a certain time. Yeah. But I, I like I like that flexibility. But I guess for the greater good of the restaurant, it's it was better that I was there. So I cut down on my training a little bit. Yeah, I, re I remember when you were going through that. I remember I I asked you and you were like, "Yeah, everybody gets there at noon, so I gotta be there at noon, so I can't come every day to the gym." <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. You so know. you mentioned the new concept or the new restaurant. Uh, what's gonna be different there if you wanna give out anything? The listeners. Um, no, that's a good question. So, there's a lot of a lot of differences. I'm I'm trying to like have a new cooking identity, I guess. Um, so, for the last ten years, I've been um, branded as like you know Jewish cuisine, both um, like the Israeli side and then the like American European side, which was like Abe Fisher. Um, and I'm also getting away from fine dining. Um, I'm doing you know, dinner time, fine dining for the last million years. And now I'm going to be doing like casual lunches. Um, I just, I love, I love eating like that. I mean, I also like a nice dinner, you know, here and there. And I definitely respect like really high end cooking. Um, but at the same time, just like, I just didn't, I love like eating a good sandwich. Like it's just so satisfying. Um, so there's going to be that. And then I, it's yeah. funny, sorry, sorry to introduce. It's funny that you say that, but I remember when I was pregnant and I was really nauseous in the beginning, could barely eat. I was like, man, I wish I could eat like a nice sandwich. I would see like people post uh, the sandwiches, awesome sandwiches that they ate. For some reason, I was really craving that if I could actually put any food in my mouth. But uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. A nice sandwich. I was just thinking about that the other day. I think I was sitting there. So I, I, I'm like, I don't want to go out and like sit down. For me, sometimes that's too much, like two hours at a table. Yeah. But to go get like a nice sandwich is amazing. So we're definitely gonna come visit you when you. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and and then like the cuisine itself is like, you know, I guess it's sort of globally inspired. Um, or you could even call it like Philly food. Like it's just we have everything here. We got, you know, I love going to Chinatown. I love going to South Philly and getting burritos. I love. You know, going to like little sushi spots. You know, I love you know all these different types of cuisines. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm not tied down to any specific cuisine. I'm just gonna do what tastes best. You know, use good ingredients and like that's it. You know, awesome. create create a new cuisine, I guess. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, and you're gonna be open mostly for lunch. Is that the idea? Yeah, I mean, eventually I'd like to do breakfast. Um, but if I open in the next couple months i don't think there's gonna be a big breakfast crowd in center city right. so i'll kind of wait until like the offices reopen mm -hmm. um and also just to launch it i think it would be best if i'm just doing something small that i could really handle um you know one menu especially because i'm gonna be baking all the bread in the restaurant i don't want to get there at like three in the morning right now mm -hmm. um, i'll deal with that when when hopefully the demand is there mm -hmm. um but for right now i could probably show up at like you know six thirty seven and get everything done by like, you know, 10, 30, 11, when people start showing up. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we're just going to do lunch for now. That's yeah. awesome. You know, I'm glad you mentioned this being small at the beginning. 
since when I teach my um, my marketing students, I teach marketing for new ventures, and they have to come up with new business ideas. And some of them have these like amazing ideas for big businesses. And I always tell them you have to keep it very small and manageable at the beginning, because otherwise you can't manage it. Uh, so I'm glad you mentioned that, because you are a very experienced chef, and if it comes out. Uh, from you, I think people would actually do realize that that's the way to go uh, when you're just starting out. Yeah, thank you. I, I agree with that, and it's it's hard to scale back once you're like too, once you're over, you know, overextended. But like, it's always easier to scale up, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. More people add on some hours, but when you start doing the other way around, it looks bad, you know. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's for sure. And also, you know, I mean, it's it's food. It's like all about quality control, like. You have one bad, one bad, one bad dish, one bad experience, and like it just leaves such a mark. You know, people are those, you know, Yelp warriors. They're out there, dangerous. <laughs> yeah, that's sure. <laughs> right, and word of mouth is huge. You know, if you if you get a good good reputation, like you're set. You know, if you have a bad reputation, it's hard. It's hard coming back from that. So again, I just want to be in control of everything, and, and also it's like all oh, it's me. I'm gonna hire some people, but it's gonna be you know, yeah. so I don't have like a huge team of people right now. So. Now I'm realizing yeah, why you have been baking all this bread during quarantine. Because I keep <laughs> seeing your Instagram. I'm like, why is he making everybody? Oh, everybody's on the bread baking bandwagon right now, I think. Even one of my uh, teams in my uh, MBA class came up with a, with a, well, it's just a new product idea, but Blue Apron Baking Box, because that's what everybody's oh. doing. Um, yeah, that's cool. yeah, but now this totally makes sense. Um, so you're making all the bread is going to be made by you in the new restaurant. Is that it? Yeah. That's and, then, and eventually I'll train somebody how to do it. But in the beginning, you know, unless I like hire someone that I know is like really good at bread baking and they're probably better than me, then obviously I would hand it off to them. But otherwise I'll probably be doing it. Right. And, you know, I, it's like bread is one of those things that can improve every day. You know, you make it every day. You start to see the nuances of, mm-hmm. of that sort of thing. So it's it's like one of those things that I'm still I'm still not 100. percent I'll never be 100 percent satisfied with it. I don't think, but um, it's definitely something I still want to work on myself. You know, mm-hmm. as a person, yeah. as a chef. It's like jujitsu, yeah. man. Yeah, always it is jujitsu. <laughs> bread baking is jujitsu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It it's easy. like you got to know when to like mess with it. You got to know when to leave it alone. It's like it takes patience. Can't rush it. It's, yeah. You can't. You know they always say like you can't lie on the mats. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, Same thing. With everyone bread. knows if you're if you're BSing or not. Yeah. Same with bread. You can't fake bread. You know. Yeah, you know. Yeah. You can tell when someone put work into it or not. Yeah, yeah. 100. <laughs> so. And um, you mentioned that up until now. I'm just always looking at things from a marketing perspective. That's what I'm going to ask. No, I love that. I really, uh, but it's you very may, cool yeah. To me too. Yeah, I always tell my students, you need marketing for everything. And I always tell them, particularly my, um, my undergrad seniors, that they have to know how to brand themselves when they go out to look for a job. And that's something that you mentioned, that up until now you have been branded as you know, fine dining, dinner type of food, and now you're going to get out of this and start something new. So do you think it's going to be hard for you to like convince people that your um, uh, food is amazing just because it's only sandwiches as opposed to fine dining? Well, 
you know, I think that I think it's going to involve some communication. You know, it's going right. to involve some, uh, you know, talking that out. And and people are, if I say I'm opening a restaurant, people are already assuming that I'm opening like a fine dining dinner right. or definitely something. Or if I'm like I'm opening a casual place, they're like, oh, you're opening like a Jewish deli. Like, no, yeah. actually, no. Um, so there's you got to those assumptions will. Yeah, I mean, people expect it, but I think ultimately people understand. I hope that I believe people understand that whatever I'm doing will be awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure that once people start coming, especially at such a hot uh, spot where all the offices are in Center City, people are like, word is gonna spread around, and uh, people who, who know that the food is amazing. Plus, yeah. the food at Egg Fisher is amazing. So, yeah, exactly. Um, and the food at Dave Fisher is like, it's not too unique. Um, you know, it's like European American, really. Like, it's not, it's not so far off uh, from like what a normal restaurant would. Have. Obviously, there are some twists, but um, you know, it's not like I'm, it's not like I'm going from like sushi chef to like pizza right. restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. A little- but you are right. There will be there will be some branding. I actually like before I I had a meeting earlier with uh, with like a graphic artist slash like marketing people. Yeah. So That's we're gonna we're gonna there's gonna be some yeah we're gonna have to talk about it and, and really get branded. I'm 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 actually like still trying to um, figure out the branding thing a little bit. You yeah, know? yeah. It's always hard. That's really hard. <laughs> Very hard, yeah. especially if you're doing something not that no one's done before, but like. I'd like to think it's unique, so it's not as easy as saying, like, I'm opening a pizza shop. Like, that'd be easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So easy. It'd be yeah. so easy to explain to people. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing Tuscan-style pizza. Like, okay, we've heard of that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or, like, I'm opening a burger place. Great. We know what those are. But I'm like, well, I'm making bread, and then I'm making sandwiches that you've probably never heard of, um, or different combinations you never heard of. There's no actual um cuisine i'm basing this off of aside for just really good food um so yeah it's not as easy as just saying i'm doing italian or doing this or that so. right that's yeah. amazing though i uh, like i said i look forward to coming when you open me too to visit you <laughs> what'd you say yeah absolutely so she yeah says she looks forward to yeah coming. we look forward to coming oh, to, oh. To, to yes i look forward to having you in there thank you thank you um Quite two questions. Um, where do you see yourself in five years, and uh, what do you want to leave behind as your legacy? Oh wow, it's rough. Um, no, those are good questions. Um, I guess in five years, I see myself living in the suburbs, nice. driving into the city every day, checking on my hopefully multiple restaurants. Definitely. Yeah, making making a stop at Balance Studios during the day, nice. just having like. Just being very successful, mm-hmm. having the freedom to like do what I want, and and uh, you know also be there for my family and stuff, and really you know move into a bigger place. Um, <laughs> this, this you know I, I love my house, but it's um it's like uh, thirteen hundred square feet, and yeah. you know we've been in here for the last ten weeks, and it, it gets a little a little <laughs> tight, so. It would be nice to have a yard and all that. So I like I look forward to hopefully getting that in the next five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love to get my black belt in the next five years. That would be cool. <laughs> uh, but I have to start training at some point, I think. But if I, I think if I train hard, 
for the next five years, I could I could be there. It's um, coming. That would be nice. And then the legacy, you know, I think there's like, you know, obviously I want to be very successful and leave like a professional financial legacy, which is always great. <laughs> um, but there's no guarantees there. But you know, just know that I've always worked hard. You know, I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Being a good person. Um, you know, just understanding that the world does not revolve around you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it like, but you got to take care of yourself at the same time. It's balancing that, um, you know, being a good, a respect, a respect, respectable father, um, mm-hmm. and husband and sibling and son and boss, you know, and mm-hmm. owner and community. I mean, I'm not involved much with the community, but it'd be nice to think that I, I would be helping out um with stuff but you know just just being just the way that i look at my grandparents you know and my mom and and people that fought hard and you know luckily i don't have those um struggles that they do but that doesn't mean you can't work hard it doesn't mean you don't have your own stuff going on so you know just being resilient i think is is the most important thing i think with resilience you see people you see communities you see just people come through stuff, you know? So I think that's the most, I think that's the most important characteristic in, in, in humankind is resilience. You know? So I, I appreciate that. Yeah, thank, no, thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's very, it's very hard when you have a, a little kid at home or a baby to share an hour. <laughs> yeah, she, she's yeah. been doing so good. You know, she, the whole time she's just been, uh, oh, there watch- she is. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not easy, but it's, it's so fulfilling, you know, every day. Oh yeah, absolutely. Even for us. You guys are that. Yeah. 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 No no sleep. (laughs) (laughs) You will, you know, after... She, when she was like six months, I don't even remember like not sleeping anymore. Now she sleeps, you know, you're going to hate to hear this, but she goes to sleep at like 6.30, wakes wow. up at 6.30. Like she sleeps 12 hours straight. That's yeah. Nap. Yeah, that's Nap's like. We just started sleep training like two days ago, but the pediatrician uh, told us by like six months, she should be yep. able to sleep nine to 10 hours. So, yeah. And then. It's, yeah, and then they and then they do this. So it gets it all gets it all gets easier and better, and then you're gonna, you know, then you're gonna miss those days. You're gonna be like, oh, absolutely, absolutely. That, that little nugget, you know, and, and they sit there like a plump, you know. Now they're like everywhere, so like a little person. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Yehuda. My brother. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank thank you. It It means a lot to us, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Peace be with you. We'll see you guys soon. On the mats. Hopefully. We'll see you on the mats, brother. Be good, man. (laughs) Bye.